Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I will be discussing about when exactly sound becomes music and why are humans so uniquely able to master musicality. Music at first starts as sound. But something happens in the brain and it transforms. Repetition is one thing that can flick the switch. Music cognition researchers play the sound sequence for a group of people. And then they ask them to rate it from the scale of 1 to 5. 1 being how much it is sounded exactly like environmental sound and 5 being exactly like music. The first time, it sounded pretty straightforwardly like environmental sound to them. And after three or four repetitions, they thought that, oh, it sounds more musical now. The sound signals are exactly the same, yet the experience feels really different. But this is just the start of the mystery of music. It can help people relearn how to speak. It can help patients with movement disorders like Parkinson's disease and helps them to move more fluidly. I just naturally respond to the music. Music behaves like a powerful drug for the rest of us too. Similar areas are activated that are activated during highly pleasurable experiences pertaining to food or illicit drugs. And it has a deep connection to our feelings. Music itself seems to be a cultural universal. We don't know about any human culture that doesn't have something that we think about as music. We've found musical instruments as old as human cave paintings. Nearly every person is born with a taste for music. But as far as we know, other primates don't really share our sense of beat. They just don't seem to get the rhythm the same way we do. So what exactly is music? Why is it so universal among humans? How does sound become something more? A world without music is pretty hard to imagine. As we live our lives, there's always music around us. Whether it's something playing out of someone's car stereo on the street, the coffee house you're going to, the mall, or the radio. It's always around us. It's pretty strange when it doesn't exist at all. 
Listening to music and especially making music draws on all kinds of different facilities. Before we hear it at all, music is just air. Sounds start as air vibrations which then move our eardrums and then little bones and then finally fluid in the cochlea. And that triggers hair cells to fire. It's all beautifully complicated. And a repeating sound creates one of the most basic aspects of music. Rhythm. Many parts of our auditory system are very ancient and are shared with a lot of other animals. Our reptilian brain, the brainstem and cerebellum, helps us create the rhythmic pattern necessary to walk. That's widespread. But what's incredibly rare is our ability to feel a beat. Tempo. Beats per minute. It is the most simple, most basic rhythm in our lives. It is how our hearts beat. Higher BPM songs that are faster tend to make us move faster. It raises our heartbeat. It goes back to the core of who we are. Try tapping along. We predict the timing of the metronome clicks when taps are like very close in time to the metronome. You can't do that by waiting for the click. You'd be reacting, but you'd be reacting late. Rhesus monkeys just can't do it. With lots of training, monkeys always seem to still react rather than predict. Feeling a beat requires strong connections between parts of the brain, which are very rare in the animal world. In fact, scientists weren't even sure that any other animal could move to a beat like we do until 2009. I was absolutely amazed when I saw the video of a cockatoo named Snowball seeming to move to the beat of music. Put on Backstreet Boys and bam, Snowball could match the song played at different tempos. So this provided the first experimental evidence that an animal could move to the beat of music. And now, Snowball isn't alone. Ronan, a sea lion in California, is the first non-human mammal confirmed to really prove to Earth, wind and fire. Bonobos are close evolutionary cousins that can tell if there's a beat, though the jury's out if they can synchronize to it, but the ability to tap out a beat is only one part of music. If a sound repeats fast enough, we hear it as pitch. Sure, many animals seem to perceive pitch. In terms of individual tone, they probably perceive them like we do. Many species' brains, including ours, have neurons that fire the exact frequency of sound coming in.
If you place electrodes on three spots on your head and listen to this, the electrical signals from those electrodes would sound like this. Playing multiple pitches at the same time unlocks another feature of music, harmony. If you ask men and women to sing in unison, what typically happens is that they sing in an octave apart. Octaves are pitches with double or half the frequency of another. That kind of sense of equivalence is very widespread in human culture. And that special relationship might explain why the opening of the song is so memorable. The first two notes are an octave. Intervals like this are crucial. Every culture divides the space between octaves into scales. Most of us remember melody by the relative pitch. The space between notes like this melody starting on C. My new fire, you ought to come to light me. Starting on an F, it sounds like the same melody. It's just not like this for birds. You can train them to recognize melody A from melody B. Transpose those melodies, move them up or down in pitch. They have no idea what those things are. They have to completely relearn them as if they're brand new melodies. They don't recognize them anymore. Then there is timbre. The quality of sound that distinguishes pitch if played on a bassoon, baritone sax, or a bowl. Most people perceive timbre like they perceive color. It's a thing you can name. Lots of animals can possess one or more of these components. Some types of crabs and fireflies synchronize with each other, but only at one tempo. Some birds, like Snowball, can feel a beat, but have no understanding of relative pitch. Rhesus monkeys can understand octave equivalence, but can't feel a beat. Combined with our capacity for language and memory, only humans put the entire puzzle together. How musicians assemble these pieces triggers another aspect of music that's as far as we know, uniquely human. It's the deep connection to our feelings. Take the song Frere Jaca. It's in the major scale, which in Western music is associated with a happy feeling. Other cultures have their own ways of expressing those mood differences that don't map easily to our major and minor system. 
Listen to this Balinese scale. For a Balinese person, they will really think that that is quite sad. Major meaning happy and minor meaning sad is not universal. For a Western ear, that sounds pretty happy. But Balinese will associate that with ceremonial rites and particularly cremations. But meaning accumulating based on the scale system of your culture, that is universal. And that meaning is built over centuries. Monteverde wrote his Lamento della Fnifina in 1600s with a bass line simply defending the minor scale. In the hundreds of years since, composers after composers have used the exact same bass line to express lament. And with each repetition, its meaning grows. So that whenever you hear it, it just gets a little more powerful. There's something familiar about it, but something surprising too. We hear these melodies so often that the effect becomes immediate and conscious. Music connects so many abilities that it's a very hard to lose. Only an estimated 1.5% of people are born having trouble differentiating pitches. Far fewer have trouble feeling a beat. And losing music perception altogether? That's basically unheard of. Jen, a music artist, noticed her body was behaving strangely in 2015. I had this weird symptom where I couldn't feel my foot, as in it just didn't exist. It felt like I had a ghost foot. Ten years prior, there was one neurologist that thought I could have Moya Moya. Moya Moya is a puff of smoke. It's a very rare condition where blood flow to the brain is constricted. I didn't know if I would die the next month or ten years from that point, so I was diagnosed in December of 2015 and in January of 2016 I had two brain surgeries a week apart from each other. Two days after the first surgery, Jen noticed that something was wrong. When I woke up, I couldn't talk anymore. I also lost my comprehension of speech, so I couldn't talk, but also suddenly couldn't understand anyone else talking. To cure Jen's Moya Moya disease, her doctor took an artery from each side of her scalp and placed it on top of each side of her brain. Her brain was now fed from the top down rather than the bottom up. These roots would have been growing all over the brain. The lower processing was intact. The sounds were getting in for both music and language. But the higher levels of understanding that require the cortex were gone. Putting together the high-level circuits was not possible. It was very disturbing and upsetting to her. I'd watch Portlandia a bunch when I was in recovery. Through that show, I realized I didn't understand music because I couldn't understand the intro song. 
See, cognitively, I knew that it was a song, and I knew it was a washed out song, and it was a song that I liked, but it didn't register the same way. I didn't recognize it as music. But far more common than losing music is using it to help recover something else that has been lost. Former U.S. Congresswoman Gabby Guilfords had to relearn how to speak after a gunshot tore through the left side of her head. Some of these patients that can't get two or three words into a phrase can sometimes sing songs fluently. People are taught to sing words while tapping and then gradually kind of use that ability to talk. It can also help people with the movement disorders as beats are registered in the motor neurons. These effects can make music seem like a superpower. That's led to some exuberant reportings about music. Listening to classical music make children smarter. Why are hospitals across the nation handing out a million Mozart recordings a month? Why not a little Mozart to add a point or two to the IQ? But it doesn't really work that way. One of those myths out there about music perception is that there's something magic about Mozart. But there is something magic about music's power over our mood. It doesn't have to be Mozart, it can be music of any kind. A longer-term participation in music can have incredible benefits. Kids who learn to make music early have advantages learning languages. Our ability to remember music is fabulously effective as a teaching tool. And our love for synchronizing with music and each other confers social benefits. When you make music together or listen to music in a group, it feels like you have some kind of understanding with that other person. There is also experimental evidence that people treat each other better if they listen to music together. These benefits and music's universality among humans raise even bigger questions. Humans' groups face all kinds of challenges during evolution. And anything that would help promote cooperation in the group could potentially promote survival. In the animal world, musicality is all over the map. We're only just starting to find out if our love for rhythm, repetition and harmony evolved gradually through the other primates. And the search has connected researchers from an incredibly broad array of fields. It's easy to forget that all of us have a superpower in having musicality. We can use it to learn, feel, remember and connect. The fact that music gives us so much intense pleasure maybe tells us something. Thank you so much for joining me on this endeavor and tuning in. This has been an interesting episode and I'm looking forward to the next one to discuss further on STEM fields. Make sure you share this pod with your friends if you enjoyed it. The podcast is now also available on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Raker and Pocket Cast. Subscribe to 
all platforms and stay tuned for more.